everybody and welcome back to another edition of the pod cast your favorite podcast about new metal this month we are finally covering well truly one of brian's favorite albums and it's amazing we finally got to it this is episode number 43 and we are covering seven dusts home i'm john and with me is a man who loves to lick the cream that smells it's Brian Quinby. Hi. Ugh, licked the cream. I actually texted you yesterday and said, Ugh, what a <laughs> fucking song that is. <laughs> I knew actually, that. I, I, uh, the opening of the song, I thought was he was, I had to look at the lyrics quickly because of the uh, first words of the song I thought were about whole. And I was like, oh, okay. Now if we're talking about whole, I'm into <laughs> listening to this. Not the band whole. I mean, whole. Like, right but he says or, but he says corrupt my hope yeah not, i thought he said corrupt, corrupt my hole <laughs> and i was corrupt like, my I like hole this. is a really aggressive <laughs> way to uh sext <laughs> feel like if if becca sent me a text that said corrupt my hole please I would corrupt be... <laughs> my hole john i'll send my wife a text i'll be like hey can i corrupt your hole later see what happens let's just see what happens no i'm not gonna do that probably get fired up at me <laughs> i'm gonna corrupt your hole do not do anything to my whole right it did not corruption specifically Fuck. i'm honestly surprised we've never covered we're 43 episodes in i'm surprised we've never covered an album that's just called corrupt my hole or a song I mean, at least it feels like a song feels like a faith no more song title or something yeah or, or you say- know most of these bands don't sing about whole very much. It's it's fucking one of the drawbacks to especially yeah. me being a new metal kid back when I was like in in when I was you know fucking six, 15, 16 to like 25. It's like I never listened to like a sexy song one time. Like it just was like Yeah. What like, I, I didn't I I you had a more open mind than me, I think. I just any song that would make a woman want to have sex was just like this is fucking bullshit man i want to hear somebody <laughs> sing about their dad again let's let's listen to the song about the guy's dad again um <laughs> yeah i guess that's true i mean i feel like because i was i was thinking this when you were talking i'm like yeah i guess not that many new metal bands wrote songs about sex but that's really not true i mean kid rock did limp biscuit did corn did not that many but corn had theirs too you- like but you would wouldn't you have want sex to, have, to them. No. Would you want to have any kind of the sex corn sings about? <laughs> you know what I mean? That's corrupt my whole sex. And no, yeah. I'm not I'm not interested in whole corruption. If um, fucking somebody found all the songs about sex that corn did, yeah. You'd be like, not. "Let me let me take a look at this." And it's like, "These are not uh, this isn't It's not like a fucking song by like a crooner or I'm I'm like no. drawing a blank just like when I said Regis Philbin the other day. Um, last <laughs> that time was we truly recorded. a great drop. 
I mean, Regis <laughs> Philbin is dead too. You're, you're talking about like what you would miss AEW Dynamite for, and you said the Regis Philbin show, which never aired at night, and Regis is dead. So well, it was truly an, an incredible pull. But in the moment, I, I was just laughing too hard, really, to even correct you. I was just sort of like, yeah, all right. Well, the reason I said that is because he's the most famous guy I could think of. And now I'm right. not having an easy time thinking of a famous, a, a famous sex singer. Like, like um, well, you've got Peter Steele right behind you. Eddie Vedder. Yeah, and Peter Steele can fuck. And Eddie Vedder. Really? Black? You think of Eddie Vedder as like a sexy singer? Well, okay, I mean, I know he's no. got the sort of like deep voice, but I don't know if I think of him as like a sex symbol type guy. Well, let me explain something to you. I've had sex to like four songs in my life, <laughs> and uh, one of them is Black by Pearl Jam. So oh, that okay. is a sex song for me. All right. And that happened yeah, when I was okay. 16. And wow. then Minus Blindfold by the Deftones. <sighs> and then Serpent Boy by head pe and there that's all of them. i can't even think of the fourth one serpent boy <laughs> Not that's also song, but it was just playing at the time that's also <laughs> a pretty wild well what pretty wild sext to get <laughs> i'll i'll be your serpent boy um that would also be maybe not the best uh let me ram my serpent in your hole <laughs> let me corrupt your hole. yeah i mean i've had sex to deftones before i think like if you're yeah, there's like sex. Like, I think you can have sex to white pony for sure. You know, I think it's a uh, I think it's fine. I mean, Maybe I think that the there's only band in the genre, though. You can't definitely it's like I've always definitely. said about politics, too. It's like they're like a band's output has to be like it can be like up to three percent politics for it to be considered new metal. But can't it, it has to be like something where like. Jonathan Davis was fucking watching CNN and he got like kind of outraged by some fucking story they were telling. And he was like, okay, I'm going to write a song about that. But like, it, you can't really tell it's about that. And like system of a down, I would make the argument that about 3% of their music is political. Cause the other stuff is about like pizza pies and shit. Pogo, 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 Pogo. <laughs> So yeah. I think in order to be well, although that metal, song is about sex, imagine being like, yeah, this, you know, there's like a pretty sexy song, you know, it's actually about like orgies and like get me in the mood. And it's like, jump, pogo, 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 pogo. <laughs> so I start trying to figure out like having sex to system of a down would be a fucking wild journey. Yeah. You're trying to build a prison. <laughs> yeah, but I, I'm like, probably I would up it up the 3%. To six percent of a new metal's output could be sexy, but the rest of it has to be angry about something. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, your stepdad, or I gotta be alone. I stand alone. You gotta be alone, or whatever. I'm, a, I'm yeah, alone. Leave me alone. Like, don't like, come near me. <laughs> like, it has to be libertarian. But again, it can't mention I'm a libertarian. No, you can't as be part that. of that because that's politics. Mm-hmm. And again, I believe three percent of new metal bands' output can be politics for it to still be new metal. But other than that's why Rage Against the Machine doesn't work for me in a way as as new metal. I've said it before to drive people crazy, but I've just made the decision in my life as a new metal sort of expert guy that there are some benchmarks that a band can't meet or has to meet 
in order to be a part of the genre. And it is an inherently now, you know, there's a lot of radicals out there or people that are, you know, into politics. It was, it is an inherently apolitical form of music genre of music. And it is an inherently unsexy genre of music. It's definitely unsexy. I mean, I think the problem is with new metal is it's the voice. It's the voices, you know, like Limp Bizkit's music. I think you could maybe get down to some of the song. Like I could see there being room to get down to Limp Bizkit if it weren't for Fred. It's like it would be very hard to be like trying to fuck and Fred's just like, get up. ah, Like you just you can't. There's no there's no sexiness there. And then, yeah, Jonathan Davis is like too scary. We've said this before. Dude, John, my wife was a new metal fan, but did not like corn. Yeah, it's too because he's just like, it's a dude's band. They're a dude's band. And that's fine. It, like some bands are definitely like just like there's a tiny percentage of women that like Pantera. You know what I mean? It's, just, it's very small yes. amount because it's just a kind of music for like 16 year old boys. You know, that that's what this music is, by the way. It's music for fucking 16 year old boys. That's what all rock and roll is. And basically the stuff that was popular when you're 16, 17, 18 years old is just the music that you like. That's what it has ended. That's that's the thing I've learned at the age of 44 years old. That, <laughs> yep. Like the, the stuff that was popular when you're, you were 16, 17, 18 years old you know, maybe even a little younger is just the music because that's when you are forming your opinions and that's when you are becoming the person. It doesn't mean you can't like new stuff as you get older, but the basis of your, what you like music wise is formed when you're like fucking 14. A hundred percent, a hundred percent. And I think too, like, I think that's also my problem with corn is like, I do think when Jonathan Davis sings about sex, he is directing it at 16 year old boys, which is like fucking weird. It's like, it's like he's imagined like a lot of his songs that are about sex are actually about just jacking off. That's like what a lot of his, a lot of the sex songs are like, I like to choke women and I like to jack off. (laughs) <laughs> yeah yeah i mean not- you even think about dude you think about that death to- the uh, uh the song uh digital bath where you're like fuck this song is like kind of sultry and then it's like what's it about it's it's about how it would sexually turn me on to throw a toaster in a fucking bathtub <laughs> with a woman in it and it's like fuck dude i don't want to i don't want to beat off to that or whatever you know <laughs> i don't want to uh, yeah. to that I know, but I think that's the thing with the Deftones is the lyrics don't really matter as much because it's sexy. Digital bath sounds sexy. It's like, ooh, okay, Chino's voice sounds sexy. So you can almost not even think about what it's about when you're getting down. You're just like, oh, this song is sexy and the voice sounds good. Unfortunately, Jonathan Davis doesn't have it's not that same the music is not sexy so then you start listening to the lyrics and then you go oh boy the lyrics are not helping me either this is a really tough it's a really tough time for me they're just yeah it is it's just a type of music for like maybe the way i can put it is 
for people who don't know how to fuck. <laughs> <laughs> It's like in the, uh, the forty-year-old virgin. There is a scene in the in the forty-year-old virgin where they're all like talking about, you know, times they had sex and stuff, and and Steve Carell's trying to pretend to have also had sex, and he's like, "I like to feel something like a woman's titties. They feel like bags of sand yeah. or something." Because he'd never done it, yeah. and I get that vibe from a lot of new metal. Bands, like they're just kind of like i don't know this is how you fuck and it's like just because you're on a fucking road throwing baloney at chicks asses it doesn't mean that's how people have sex this is not what people do you people are fucking sick disgusting freaks is what it really is well, and I think also there's no romance, right? Like, None. even if the songs are about sex, there's no romance. There's no, this isn't Kiss from a Rose or, you know, stuff like that where it's like, oh, you're like a drug and I can't quit you and you're amazing <laughs> and beautiful and whatever. It's like, get in the bathtub, bitch. I'm going to throw a fucking toaster at your stupid <laughs> naked ass. Yeah. <laughs> and it's okay, dude. It's because as you get older, you do fine. As you get older and maybe you have sex, you know, more than 10 times in your life, <laughs> you end up finding stuff that makes sense as music for that kind of thing. You know what I mean? Like, it's it's not like it lasts forever. And in the 90s, we've said this so many times, the 90s, early 2000s. And I just saw some dipshit on the Internet posting this thing that like was like, a, look at what they took from you. And it was a bunch of fucking 80s and 90s shit. So it was like uh, 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 cassettes and putting a cassette in a Walkman and and like walking around. And it's like, that was fucking hell, dude. It, that was because we could that in the end, what that meant was I'm only allowed to like one kind of music because I can't afford to experiment. So I basically only listen to yeah albums in the section of the record store that 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 uh are by the other albums that i own i'm not fucking venturing anywhere else you know especially when you're a kid and you really can't afford it like i like <laughs> i you know it's not an exaggeration to say that i basically only listened to corn and limp biscuit for like two years like just two calendar years of my life you know, I had the odd like CD from when I was a little younger. You know, I would have had like Weezer's Blue album and I would have had a couple Green Day albums and a couple Blink-182 albums and, you know, Our Lady Peace, but like and Bush, you know, I had that. all. I had albums from my alternative phase, but then it was like once I got into new metal, it was just Corn and Limp Biscuit, And that's like all I fucking listened to for so long. And yeah, you're right. Like it was not a good era. And what the worst is like Walkman's chewed through batteries. It's like, you know, I would bring my Walkman to school. And then if your Walkman died on the bus on the way home, that was just like the worst nightmare of all. You're just like, oh, my God. Now I just have to be I, I took a bus an hour each way to school when I was growing up. So you know, your Walkman dies on the bus. And it's just like, God, this is a complete disaster. It was just, I mean, it was horrible. Well, I'm even, I went to an inflation calendar because I, I had been thinking about this too. So in 1996, CDs were like $12. Uh, 
In 2023, that's $22.88. Like, so you were basically going and spending almost $25. I mean, I'm, I'm saying, I think CDs were around 12 and tapes were around like eight or nine. And it's like, you, if you may, if you're a fucking, even if you have a job where you make $150 every two weeks, like that's a chunk so that yeah. you can listen to music. And I'm not fucking risking it. On buying a Radiohead album because I read in Rolling Stone that it's really good. No, I'm not doing it. I'm fucking gonna buy a Pitch Shifter album or whatever, <laughs> whatever the, the whatever the album that Alternative Press said was really good this month. Which I know people are like Alternative Press. It's they turned into they weren't alternative at all. They they just turned into a new metal magazine at some point, and that's where yeah. you found bands. <laughs> Oh, totally. And and it was like, you know, obviously, eventually Napster and, and file sharing came along. But yeah, for the longest time. And, and it was also too, yeah, you couldn't afford the album. Like it was, you know, I would tape stuff off of much music. Like, you know, I, I did that too. You know, you tape music videos off of off of much music. You'd tape songs off the radio because it was like, well, I know I like this song. I have no way of hearing all of the other stuff that's on the album without buying the album. And I don't know if I would like the album. So I can't invest $20. Like you'd get to the point where it was just like, Ooh, I like all three singles of this. So I am going to buy the three. I'm going to buy the album. Cause it's like, I know I'm going to like three songs and liking three songs on an album going into buying. It was like huge. Like, oh, man, well, even if all the rest of these songs suck, at least I'm getting three songs out of this purchase. <laughs> well, it's also funny in this nostalgic post. I, it, the thing that people I'm not I haven't I didn't point out online. A lot of people didn't point out was like one of the songs in his like tape collection was the Goonies original motion picture soundtrack. And it's like soundtracks were the fucking worst shit in the world. They were the most expensive albums in the store, and they had the least amount of songs that people liked at the fucking store. It just it, th that is why people had such closed, closed minded sort of opinions on music. And that's why, you know, uh, like 90 percent of what I listened to was just it all sounded the same. And it was like. Well, they do this one thing I don't like with Seven Dust. There's just like a couple of things they did that I don't like. So I'm not going to fucking buy your album. I'm not. I'm not going to give you a fucking chance. I don't have time for that. I don't have time and money for chances. Okay. I'm buying drugs. I'm buying cigarettes. I'm buying all kinds of better stuff than albums. Yeah. Okay? You know what you're getting out of drugs and cigarettes. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. You know exactly what you're going to get with a pack of cigarettes. I'm going to smoke these and it's going to feel as good as the ones I smoked yesterday. <laughs> yep. Yep. I'm going to wake up. I'm going to grab a cigarette. I'm going to go outside and it's going to rule. It's going to be the <laughs> best time for me. But yeah, it, it was just not a, uh, uh, not a good time, but it is also the reason why like people had such closed minds was, was really just a budgetary reason. Nobody was taking chances. I also think it's, it's maybe better in that, like, and we're not part of this. This isn't going to be us. But the way people listen to music now, I think, is, like, way fucking better in that, like, it's like, they'll just put a playlist together. They don't have to depend on, like, 
corn writing 10 good songs this year <laughs> totally <laughs> totally well and like the the you know i don't really use well i don't use spotify but i i i don't use the like apple music playlist recommender or anything like that like i find all my own music but if you were a teenager and you had spotify and you just had you know the algorithm from what i hear is so good that yeah. you know if you're just like on playlists on spotify and you're just constantly listening to new music that you like that is all like right up your alley um you know i think that 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 would be so <laughs> incredible and again we didn't have that either like even even the shit we did like we were tricked into liking by video and radio directors it's like we didn't mm -hmm. have control over what much music played it was like you know, I mean, yeah, we talk about Corn being the first band ever retired on Total Request Live, but like, what are all the things that had to happen leading up to that point where Corn becomes basically the equivalent of a boy band in the time period? I'll tell you this: it wasn't the fans, like it it was to an extent, but it wasn't that you had millions of Corn fans that were demanding this. It was like the audience was created on some level. Uh, by label executives. And so that's the other part of it too. And and obviously there is some of that with the algorithm too. Someone's creating that algorithm and, you know, whatever. But there, it just seems like there's more variety and more choice as opposed to, you know, oh yeah, like I knew of Corn because much music would play the Freak on a Leash video five times a day. Yeah, my brother saw him open for Danzig, so he came home and said, "You should like, you would like corn." So I went to the store and bought it, and that's maybe like the 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 sort of the way that I found them is maybe the most kind of organic way that that can happen. There wasn't another band after that that I found in any kind of an organic way. It was all like radio stations programming. It wasn't right. You know what I mean? Like 120 minutes. But when I look at Gwen's playlist and the shit she's listening to, it just fucking blows my mind. Like that I can walk into her room while she's doing homework and she's listening to fucking Highway to Hell by <laughs> ACDC. It's like, what are you doing? You're fucking 18 and you're listening to Highway to Hell. You have a playlist that has old time rock and roll and boy genius. At the same time, <laughs> like, how is this happening? But like, it is this thing where it's like, I find it so interesting that like all of her playlists, like she has, she, she spends all the way that we would sit and like read the liner note. Like, you know how people will be like, oh, back then, you know, you, you get the CD and you sit down, you listen to it, you open up the liner notes, you kind of look through those and that's something. You read all the thank yous if you're a freak like I am. Oh, I uh, do too. Absolutely. Oh that was God. the first thing you did. You put the CD in the CD player and then you sit down and you pull, you don't have a phone. So you're like, yeah, okay, I'll pull the liner notes out, read the liner notes as I'm listening to the album for the first time. Right. And, and they're like, oh, you know, these kids are missing out on that and it's like motherfucker these kids are listening to like 85 different kinds of music by the time they're 18 they got a fucking playlist you know Gwen has a playlist for the way that they do it is so cool to me she has playlists for being in a car with her dad playlists for being in the car with her mom playlists for being together as a family and and you know it'll it'll just be these wildly different things like you know she has icp songs she has like it's just all of this stuff that has like 
gotten to her through like TikTok or or like reading or some friend is just like, hey, have you have you ever heard this song uh, by Mazzy Star? And she's like, listens to it, and now Mazzy Star is one of her favorite artists, and it's just. It's really fucking incredible and so much better way to listen to music because, man, how many fucking stinkers did you like, like real fucking stinkers did you have to suffer through oh. to listen to some of these albums, especially on cassette? When motherfuckers talk about cassette, it's like you couldn't just fast forward or skip like when CDs were so much of a big deal because you could just hit skip. To get past the song yes totally but in the end if you bought a cd with 12 songs you might not like five songs you can't skip five songs you just can't do it you, you might end it if they backload it to the end you might end it before yeah. it's over but you just have to listen to like I, I i don't understand like why anybody in 2023 is listening to 12 corn songs in a row I just don't even know what the reason for that would be. And I'm and and I think that's just me and you, like my age and your age, where like I listen to the I listen to whole albums. Like I, I look at an album as a kind of a achievement. A a good album as like a really great achievement. And we're talking about, you know, oh, they put these songs in this order this way, and and oh, this song's kind of the funny song that breaks up the seriousness, and oh, they did this, and and oh, here's the hidden track and shit like that, and that's the way we kind of think about music, but that is just not how it's thought about now, and I think a lot of these bands would do a lot better to just release singles and EPs. Totally. Now, there's no fucking reason to release an LP. Not a, no reason. Well, all. and you can almost do you dominate the cycle more too, right? If if you think if an album is like twelve songs, if you make two six song EPs, you know most bands are putting out an album every two to three years. So instead of doing that, you can put out an album every year and keep your name in the press cycle and all of that kind of stuff. Like, yeah, I I totally agree with you, and I think <laughs> you're going to listen to an John. You're not going to listen to a whole album. Nobody's going to listen to the whole album. You know. Well, especially now too, like what a lot of the hip hop and pop artists are doing is releasing like 21 song albums because people will just hit play on Spotify and they just want the album to go longer. And it's like, fuck off, Drake. Like, I, you know, I, I used to enjoy Drake's music, but now I find it like even when he puts out an album now that people are like, oh, this is good. Like, you should listen to it. I, I load it up and it's like 23 songs, an hour and 27 minutes. And I'm like no I, i'm not like or even if i do get into it it's like i'm listening to the first five songs drake that's it i will never hear track 16 i promise <laughs> you i don't care who's on it i don't care if it's your single i'm ne i'm never making it there baby and and that and we grew up in an era where there were a billion songs on the record also because it was like yeah, albums yeah you had to enjoy the you had to enjoy the listening experience so we came up in an era where a lot of the albums were like 70 minutes but now it's like, I don't want, I don't need a 70, who, no one needs a 70 minute album. It just is. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know crazy. what it says about our culture, or our music, but anyway, well, I mean, let's, that it's, it's better now. <laughs> <laughs> many, many things are better now. That's true. Uh, speaking of better now, I know that this is maybe an album that uh, 
<laughs> you would uh, you you would not look back fondly on. But the album we are covering this month is "Home" by the Atlanta band Seven Dust. This was the second studio album released by Seven Dust. It came out on TVT Records on August 24th, 1999. It appeared on the Billboard 200, peaking at number 19, and it remained on the Billboard 200 for 14 weeks. It has been certified gold uh, in America, so... I would guess it doesn't have the actual charts on here, but I would imagine it sold about a million copies worldwide. It also peaked on the charts at uh, number 26 in New Zealand, number 73 in Australia, and some of the singles performed pretty well. Also, uh, Denial peaked at number 14 on the mainstream rock tracks chart and number 26 on the modern rock tracks chart and Waffle uh, appeared at number 23 on the mainstream rock tracks chart and number 30 on the modern rock tracks chart. Uh, yeah, v- definitely one of the more well-known uh, new metal albums on Metal Hammer and Louder Sounds. 50 best new metal albums of all time. Seven Dust's Home ranks at number 33, right in between Il Nino and Kitty. Uh, and they say, blessed with one of the most soulful and heartfelt deliveries in new metal, Lejean Witherspoon has a serious claim to have the best vocal performance in the history of the genre on this overlooked classic album. Ably backed up by the grinding, powerful band behind him, his vocal trade-offs with both Chino Moreno and Skunk and Nancy frontwoman skin are on the next level. It never quite happened for Seven Dust on this side of the Atlantic. This is a UK thing, but they remain massive in the States to this day. One listen to home, and you will understand why. Now, Brian, you have been very resistant. This album has been put up in the poll about five times. Obviously, we covered their miserable acoustic album uh, on a recent bonus episode, which I think is why people finally voted this one in, because they do want to hear you talk about Seven Dust. But what is your history with this band? You have been basically a lifetime Seven Dust hater. Uh, so, so tell the fans about how that came to be, why you hated them. Uh, and, and, you know, and then we'll get into the album and, and maybe if your view has changed, but walk me back to 1999, Brian. I mean, I saw them like a zillion bajillion times because they opened for what the fuck they opened for every band. That was me. I don't know why that just happened. It's you gotta, so you gotta update your weird. software. Apparently. No, uh, Google Chrome loves sending me things. I, I don't know why. I'm going to end that right now. But in 99, I mean, I explained this on the bonus episode. Yeah, uh, but we don't. A lot of the listeners will not have heard the bonus episode. So it's totally yeah, so okay for you to again. Yeah, explain it again. Honestly, here's the thing. You never get a second chance to make a first <laughs> impression. And uh, I went to a show that was uh, Seven Dust was opening for Coal Chamber. And I don't know who the other group was. I can't I can't remember who else was there, but I was there for Call Chamber. So it it honestly doesn't really fucking matter. Um and I saw it and I was in the front while this band was playing. So that's one thing. And I'm gonna say that this about this album from the beginning. I listened to this thing six times. I don't listen to any of these albums six times. None of them. Three is usually the most. If it really sucks, I'll listen to it once or twice. Uh, and I saw him at that time, and I was really trying to get into it. 
and I was in the very front, and Lejean Witherspoon was picking at his dick through the whole fucking show. <laughs> and later on in the show, there is going to be something that I'm going to read that will corroborate the fact that this guy picked at his dick on stage the whole time. Okay. Um, and it was just weird. It just felt like, like, man, this guy's up here fucking... It wasn't, like, in a cool, like grab your nuts like michael jackson way it was a picking sort of picking and and snappy pick you know like when your nuts really itch you get down there right. and you it grab a little like bit a, of nuts. A michael jackson like ooh, like i'm cool i'm i'm hanging on my nuts no it's like if you're wearing he's wearing sweatpants it's like you're wearing sweatpants and you take a little bit of your ball skin you put it between your fingers and almost do a snap in a way to scratch that area of your balls and for the ladies out there i'm really sorry i can't explain it to you it, just, maybe you do that with your titties or something like that when you scratch a titty but uh uh and he's just up there doing it the whole time like his fucking like he had fucking like something in his underwear so it was just driving me nuts like he was the itchiest dude in the world and i just kept i was standing there and it was just the whole set and I was like, this sucks, man. What is this? This is fucking weird. <laughs> Almost couldn't even pay attention to the music. And I remember <clears throat> going back to the table where my friends were, because this is a, like a smaller bar. And I'm like, this guy's picking at his fucking dick the whole time. And they were like, I know. I saw it, too. Everybody saw it. And I just walked away and didn't like it. And then, now I'll say this. Then Denial hit. Denial. And I hated it. I just, that song fucking sucks, man. And <laughs> when you talk about, when you talk about, oh, he's one of the greatest voices, maybe technically he's one of technical greatest voices in this genre. Like as in, oh, I'm going to go to the fucking, where they do vocal lessons and play this for him. And they're going to be like, holy shit, this guy fucking is really good. That doesn't matter though. To, like technical great voice doesn't matter to me at all period i listen to people that just talk a lot of times or can't sing at all and uh his voice very much trends more toward what the the very classic term of of butt rock that like his voice totally trends in that direction to almost be one of the first of these acts to become that. And like that sucks too, because I think that music sucks. So I just, I didn't have, I had a lot of experience with them, as in, I saw them live a bunch of times. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I'm, I read the interviews that you sent me, John, and he seems like the nicest fucking guy in the world. And I ain't trying to shit on the guy, <laughs> you know? I just, I hate this shit. It sucks. <laughs> this is one of the worst albums I've ever reviewed on here. Which is, it's strange to me because I feel like when I was listening to it, again, I mean, I you know, uh, so I'll get into my own history. I've always liked Seven Dust. Um, I've talked like about this. Nut pickers. You like it when people pick it their I nuts. I do. I do, actually. And that's the specific reason why I like them. I saw them live also in 1997. <laughs> and I and Lejean was picking at his nuts. And I was like, is this guy jacking off on stage? What a fucking like, my nuts cool. itch, too. Like, all the yeah, time. It's dude, thank you. Finally, someone is like, hey, I got itchy nuts. And I'm not afraid of it. 
but no, I have talked about this uh, compilation before. Uh, but I, you know, we go back to the CD buying era and it was risky to buy soundtracks because you didn't always know what you were going to get on a on a soundtrack, a movie soundtrack. But sometimes compilations could be pretty good, especially if you liked some of the stuff from the bands. And uh, I bought this Canadian hard rock compilation that was just called Hard. And uh, it came out in 1999. And it had a bunch of artists on it where I was like, okay, I know I like this song. And then you just listen to the whole thing and see what it is you like. So it had Rob Zombie, Living Dead Girl. I loved that song. Had The Beautiful People by Marilyn Manson. I think that was one of the big draws of getting this one. Had Do Hoshed by Rammstein. So that was another big draw. Um, And then also had a song by a Canadian uh, group called Scratching Post that I really liked. It got played on much music all the time. And this compilation had uh, Seven Dust on it. And it had Black by Seven Dust. And I always thought it was a really good song. Um, And then when Home came out, I really always loved Denial and Waffle. I thought were both great songs. And yeah, so I've just always kind of been a Seven Dust fan. I was never, I would never say like, oh, they're one of my favorite bands. I've never seen them live. But I just all, they were just always sort of in that, I would say they were in that like mixtape that burned CD zone for me. It was like once you could burn CDs, then it was like, oh, great. I'll get Denial on there. Oh, cool. I'll get Waffle on there. Oh, I'll get Angel Sun on there or whatever. Like that was more how Seven Dust related to me. It wasn't necessarily that I was like, oh, I am in love with this band and I'm not necessarily going to go to bat for them uh, on this episode, but definitely a band I always thought was uh, was good and really liked. And I'm just surprised because I I have to say, I obviously I know that you don't like Seven Dust and you haven't for a long time. But listening to this album for this episode, I was like, this is kind of Brian core music. Like it's got a lot of the things, but it does, though. It has a lot of things that you like in it. It's like very it's heavy. It's very riff heavy. Uh, It's got a lot of like it's got some melody to it. I don't know. I, I was just sort of surprised that you came to this episode being like, no, like I truly hated this. And I think it's one of the worst things you've ever done. Like what, what was it that just really didn't connect with you? Cause it, like I said, I, 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 I am almost willing to bet if this wasn't seven dust and you didn't have this like already preconceived notion of seven dust. Like if this was some new metal band you had never heard of, I feel like you might've liked it. Uh, I, I don't think this even hit. I mean, look, some of the riffs are good, but every time it goes to the verses, it sucks. Like that is the thing about I like I was in the same boat as you when the first playthrough yesterday, I, I hit it going, that riff for home starts. And I'm like, this is fucking sick. And then it goes into the verse, and it's the worst music in the world. In the verse, it sounds so bad. <coughs> Like corn does this. This is a corn thing too, where like, you know, you get this big riff. Song opens up with a big riff or or something like that. And then when it goes to the verses, it's kind of like atmospheric ding ding like shit wow stuff. And then it goes back into the riff. Yeah. And it works really well for corn because of the atmospherics and the noise that they make during the verses. 
really compliment Jonathan Davis's voice, and you can't make the whole song a riff. And I understand that. But but home immediately when it goes into that thing is like, ugh, God, this sucks, man. What is this noise? It's noises that aren't as good as uh what I I don't know. I it, it's bad. <laughs> and it's it, it is that music in the verses. It's anything that's not a riff on this album sucks. And then even some of the riffs suck, but like I I I I will I will give you this. There are a lot of Brian riffs on this album. That's what I was going to say. Like I feel and I just like get so excited, but every song also has a non-Brian part in it. Every <laughs> right. one of them. Cause that's what I was gonna say. Like, I feel like Waffle in particular is like that heavy chorus, like whatever you say. Like, I just feel like that would be totally your shit. Like, I just it's just strange to me. I don't know. I and don't get me wrong, I think there are some bad songs on here. Like, I, I am in no way saying that this is like a front to back killer album. Um, but I, yeah, I, I I guess I just thought like there's full songs on here that you would have been excited for. And I was sort of surprised that you, that there wasn't even like one song where you're like, yeah, front to back. That's a great song. That's the problem. There aren't any full songs on here that I like. There are pieces of songs on here that I like, and all of them have something that I don't like as, as part of the song. It is like, it is like if there was five, songs on here that i liked all the way through and then five songs on here that i just thought sucked that would almost be a better review because i like five songs i can speak on five songs where it's like these are fucking great but every song i'm like i'm gonna write down i think the last time six times six fucking times i listen to this because one it is a wildly generic album as in like, I, it's gotta be the most generic one we've done. I mean, I, it's I not the most generic one we've done. I wouldn't say, but I, uh, but I hear what you're saying. One, I'm not saying one, you, I, this band could be any other. Like if you played this for me and said it wasn't seven dust tomorrow, if you were like, Hey, listen to this song by this new band. And you played it. I wouldn't even fucking know what this, I wouldn't know it was seven dust. I'd be like, well, I, okay, well, that's interesting. I don't like it, but like the songs make like almost zero impression to the fact that like denial was a fucking massive radio hit here and they played it all the time. And when it started playing, I was like, oh, this is seven dust. (laughs) I like that. song. I mean, that's a great song, but uh, I I mean, I think what you're saying, though, is is maybe true only because I'm looking at seven dusts like concert history and it is actually somewhat bizarre the number of different bands and genres they tour with like they're definitely it's definitely interesting um so i'll tell you this brian you're asking the question that you could not remember who the third band was in the seven dust coal chamber tour Uh, Mm -hmm. i do believe i have found it uh i i think it is power man 5000 yeah, that's possible. I, let me Google because I, I well, I'm on I'm on their be... concert archives, and so that was in is 19... it at the Alrosa Villa? 
Well, no, it doesn't say that it's in Columbus. It just, that's who they toured. That's the only time they've really toured with Coal Chamber is it was Seven Dust, Coal Chamber, and Power Man 5000. Oh, shit. I just went to type Seven Dust, Coal Chamber, and it auto-completed a Seven Dust, Coal Chamber feud. Feud, yeah. There was some rumors because they toured together with Lacuna Coil, the two of them in Lacuna Coil. <laughs> and... <laughs> <laughs> Lacuna Coil's good, man. I don't know. I don't, even, I don't think I've ever heard of a song. Oh, okay. Their first, their first. I think it's their first record. Like I didn't like. They got heavier. They did the whole like started out as kind of like new metal, evanescence-ish adjacent, and then they got way heavier. And I didn't like it after they got heavier. But I'm trying to think of what their, um, what album I had by them in a reverie. No, it's not that one. What's the one Half-Life EP Unleashed Memories? That's got to be the one I had. I can't remember. I had one Lacuna Coil. Oh, no, Coma Lies. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, it's got the flower on the cover. It's pretty fucking good, man. Maybe I'll have to put yeah. that in the poll. Maybe I'll have to put that in the poll. Oh, um, I, 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 I wait till you hear my poll. <laughs> I mean, they're okay. not like, now we're talking about poll. We were talking about hole earlier. Now we're talking about poll. <laughs> Corrupt Crazy. my poll. My, but my, I, I'm, oh, I can't wait to talk about these because I, I found John, I found a list of the 10 essential new metal albums. 10. And, okay. uh, there's only two we've never done. Oh, and so that's the ones you're putting on the poll? Yeah. I'm putting them in oh, the that's poll. fun. So, yeah. so for Seven Dust, here's, here's a look. And, and so this is, I'm, I'm kind of backing up your point, Brian, that, uh, and I, do, I think of them as a more strictly new metal band, but I, I can understand the sort of butt rock thing as well but this is so this is who they've kind of done major tours with and it does kind of tell you a little bit about the band i would say so yeah so 1997 we've basically we've got seven dust power man 5000 coal chamber that's their sort of main big tour in 1997 in 98 the tour that they do is seven dust clutch and stuck mojo that's their sort of big so again a nor- and they were on Ozfest. So sort of more of like a Jesus Christ, Brian. I don't know how to make it um, stop. Just stop clicking stuff, Brian. I'm not clicking it. I'm trying to click stuff to make it stop. I'll, I'll show you how oh. to turn it off after the episode. Uh, actually, Brian, sorry. My apologies. It uh, The tour that you maybe saw was Seven Dust, Coal Chamber, and A Day in the Life. A d- I it says yes. it says in May 1998 that show was at Newport Music Hall. Uh, no, wouldn't have gone. Uh, well, what was the opening? Coal Chamber. Coal Chamber. Seven Dust. Newport. A Day in the Life. That could have been it. That at New, at Newport Music it. Hall in May 1998. That could. Um, but anyway, there was also Seven Dust toured with Clutch and Limp Biscuit. That's also in 1998. Um, so again, 1998 and Snot. Seven Dust Head PE as well. So again, 1998, we all see Seven Dust. They're a new metal band. They're in new metal. Everybody agrees they are a new metal band. Then yeah, we move are. on to 1999. Metallica, Creed, Kid Rock, Seven Dust. Little odd. Uh, and then we also get Seven Dust, Static X, Chevelle, and dope. And uh, yeah, most of that year, they were also on warped tour that year, which is very funny and weird. Um, yeah, that is a weird. Well, the Deftones used to do warped tour a lot, too. Yeah. Warped tour. The, man, 
1999's Warp Tour is crazy. And I, it's like Blink 182, Black Eyed Peas, <laughs> Seven Dust, Ice Black Tea. Eyed Peas were totally different thing, though, weren't I they? I know. I know. Like yes. at the beginning, they were yes. like, they're, they're I, like the real sellout. Ice T Eminem is on is in is in uh, that in 1999 Cra- crazy. Then you go to 2000 and Seven Dust does a massive tour that is Creed Seven Dust Finger Eleven. Creed Seven Dust that is I mean they seem like they were really friends with a lot of the butt band yeah and they sure. did they did and also they really like touring with them. Yeah, and that the, and some of those shows also had Nickelback on them, which is where it leads into our one of our articles, which we can bring up now if you want. Where, uh, where, yeah, uh, <laughs> Chad Kruger of Nickelback thinks that Seven Dust is basically the best band on earth, uh, which is extremely <laughs> funny. Uh, well, so yeah, this is this is from- get into this sadness there's more sadness to that article than just that (laughs) true but so this is from three months ago october 5th 2022 from loudwire uh and yes you're right it is very fucking sad uh it says it's been quite the love fest for seven dust after nickelback frontman chad kruger praised the band's live performances we caught up with seven dusts lejon witherspoon at louder than life 2022 to get his reaction to kruger's words and to find out what bands he'd be hesitant to follow but during a recent Loudwire interview, Chad Kruger named Seven Dust as the band he never wants to follow on stage. Quote, I don't care how many records you've sold or how many awards you've won or what you've done around the world. You don't ever, ever, ever want to go on after Seven Dust because they will kick your ass and wipe you all over that stage, <laughs> Kruger raved. They are a force to be reckoned with, and it is goosebump worthy. Um, and then Lejean was asked to comment on this. He says, Chad is a good friend of mine. I love him. And what I would like to say, if he could see this or if you could make sure he sees this, <laughs> take us out on tour. I've been talking to you about this for the last 10 years. Lejean continues for him to put that out there was so cool. I love him for saying that and just being honest. They can go on after us. Nickelback is great. They hold their own, but it was so cool to see that. And then Lejean named two bands that he didn't want to follow uh, Kiss and Nothing More, uh, (laughs) which are definitely I've never heard of Nothing More in my life. Uh, But yeah, very funny to yeah, that they've clearly toured with them before, uh, and he's like, "Hey, hey, maybe take us out on tour." That would actually I, I, be kind of sick it, if you did that. I read it as more of a, which, by the way, listen, there are a bunch of people I'd like to go on tour with out there, I, and 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 for and in a second, if one of those people asked me, "Hey, Brian, you want to go on tour uh, with us?" You know, I would be like, "Yeah, I do want to go on tour with you." I would never go on the internet and be like hey uh like like adding somebody on twitter like hey uh at this guy hey you should take me on tour <laughs> i would be mortified to to yes. have ever even considered that although if you're listening to this you want to take me on tour i'm obviously you know if if you're a big <laughs> enough star i'll go regis i'm here yeah it's One thing that will happen in the comedy world that you see, which is really embarrassing, and there are like pretty established Canadian comedians, like pro comedians who will like 
tweet at Netflix and be like, oh. hey, give me a special or whatever. And you're like, oh my God. It's like, what are you hoping to? And I think, I think what they think is that people will read it like they're kind of mm-hmm. joking. You know, oh, haha, like so and so is tweeting at Netflix to give them a special, like, oh, ha ha ha. It's like, I guess that's what they're hoping is going to ha- like. And then maybe the off chance that Netflix like thinks it's not a joke and follows up or, but it's just like, uh, I was just like, man, that's so embarrassing. I just can't even bring myself to consider that, especially cause like it's not worth the payoff. Like what are your chances of getting a comedy special on Netflix off of a tweet being like, Hey, at Netflix is a joke. Like put my special on your shit. Like what is the percent chance? Like 0.00001. And you're like risking that chance for completely embarrassing yourself in front of everybody. It's like, God, I I just can't wrap my head around it. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it, it's it, it's an interview, dude. Uh, like this guy, it just feels like, oh my god, I'm I'm in an interview, and they told me about Nickelback, and and it's like Nickelback. You want to tour? You want to say you want to tour with Nick? Look, I'd tour with Nickelback tomorrow. Of course, of if they're course. like, bro, you want to come and do some nickel, some of your cool stuff on Nickelback? Maybe sing photograph or <laughs> how you remind me with Chad. I'd be like, yeah. Yeah, that would man, be so funny if you open up doing like an episode of guys in front of an entire stadium and then Chad does the thing where he's like, hey, we're going to bring out our good friend Brian to sing this one with us. Yeah. You haven't even sung on the show or anything. You just come back out and you just sing how you remind me. <laughs> would totally do that. Would 1000%. Of course, who wouldn't do that? I know. I know. It rules, though. It's it's funny <laughs> to like, uh, uh, it's funny to even even like listen i know they want to go on tour there's got to be a back channel way especially when you are seven dust people that have been in the music industry for 20 years and And have toured with nickelback before yeah and i know what it feels like i know what it feels like to like be embarrassed about this type of thing i mean john books a hundred percent of the guests for this show (laughs) because i'm embarrassed to ask people to do stuff with me and like uh, you know, people know I work with Chris James a lot. Every time we're setting something up, he's like, just ask him. People like to be asked. He's like, don't you like to be asked? And I'm like, yeah, I do like to be. I love it when people ask me if I want to do stuff. And he's like, well, yeah, other people feel that way. I can't convince myself of that. And right. uh, uh, I just I could never in this in a million years, in a million fucking years, if I was doing an interview and they were like, you know. You want to do who would you like to tour with? I would just be like, fuck you, man. Listen, <laughs> I've toured with people and that's fine with me. I'm not naming anybody because then they'll feel the weird pressure. Like I know Chad Kroger didn't read that, which also makes it even more sad. Definitely <laughs> when, not. When you're fucking Chad Kroger, you do not have uh, Google alerts <laughs> well, on your I, name. To me, one of the saddest parts about it is him asking louder sound to send that like you know if chad reads this or maybe you could send it to him so he can read it because it was in another louder sound interview that chad brought that up it's like oh dude it's like is that is that also what you think was gonna happen that 
Uh, well, <laughs> that like this is the guy from Louder sounds like yeah yeah sure I'll send this article on to I'll send this article on to Chad like yeah it's very uh, it's very rough I, I feel bad I, I feel bad and like I'll say this too like I'm looking at this past like Seven Dust is playing arenas for like three years here like they're playing arenas with Metallica they're playing arenas with Kid Rock they're playing arenas with Creed. Uh, you know, like they, they've been, yeah, and they're opening sure. But like, that's a good, that's a good paycheck, you know, like, and, and they do like, they do these big radio shows that are in arenas as well. And like, they end up kind of becoming their own sort of headlining band after animosity comes out. It looks like, like if you go into sort of 2003, it seems like they're doing a lot of their own, uh, a lot of their own stuff. But even in 2002, like they're doing this festival called Loco Bazooka with uh Filter, Nonpoint, uh, and um Loco uh, it switches. Bazooka. Loco hey, Bazooka. Yeah. Hey, Lollapalooza, but hacky. Loco B- <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. I know it's hacky to do a Palooza thing, but what if we change it to Bazooka? Bazooka. Yeah, no, so it's like it's love it. Filter, Seven Dust, Mushroom Head, Nonpoint are basically the main ones, but it's like a big it's a big thing. And there that's all at like um, state fairs, big like amphitheaters and stuff like that too. So like, you know, they've been, they've been there, you know, they've been in that mm-hmm. zone and they can sell out tours of their own doing theaters and stuff like man to just be like, Hey, Nickelback, take us out is like, Oh so I mean, man, if you some can- of these 2000, sorry, some of these 2002 lineups for like these radio balls or whatever, yeah. like, Rolling Rock Town Fair 3.0, July oh, I 2002. To go to that so bad. Oh my God. I was trying to get my friends to go because it's just in Pennsylvania. Yeah, it's in Latrobe. Uh, this is Godsmack, Nickelback, Seven Dust, Outcast, POD, Default, Tommy Lee. <laughs> Those first three bands are basically the same band. <laughs> yeah. And then they get and to then Outcast. Out, and then Outcast. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, there was a year where that Rolling Rock Town Fair was fucking nuts. It might have been the first year. And uh, I was trying to talk my friends into going. Uh, but yeah, if you can sell 2,000 tickets to a show, and I get it, you know, you, you want the big bus, you want the big, nice bus, and you want all that stuff. I think if you can sell 2,000 tickets to a show 20 years into your career, that's good. It's, like, it's extremely good. Yeah, that's that's great. I mean, I understand that they probably need to sell more than that to, to you know, make money. But I also think they probably do sell more than that. I I, I bet they sell five thousand tickets when they do a show. I'm I'm willing to, like, they have some hits. So be happy with your five thousand instead of your instead of hoping to get. By the way, also, I mean. When did that article, I didn't look at when the article was, but you don't want that Nickelback stink on you. And that, listen, 2022, not, it was like from three okay, months ago, okay, late, it's late, okay. late last okay. year. Yeah, it's okay. Cause people are coming, like, people are coming around on Nickelback now again, you know? Yeah. Cause if it was like 2015, you do not want to tour with Nickelback. No, no, you don't. <laughs> Even if you're making sick cash and playing arenas, you don't, yeah, you don't want that. It's like touring with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. It's just, yes, I know you get in front of a lot of people, but you also just played with the Red Hot Chili Peppers. Yeah, so so Rolling Rock Town Fair, speaking of, 
the red hot chili peppers the first year i don't think you would have wanted to go because the first year's lineup was red hot chili peppers moby and fuel no uh so but 2001 i'm guessing is the lineup you wanted to go to uh august 4th 2001 lineup featured the stone temple pilots live deftones incubus stained oleander upo and tantric that was it. That was the one. I mean, I didn't want to see Tantric. I don't want people to think I wanted to see Tantric. No, but Deftones Incubus Stained in 2001. That is. Yeah. That's really that good. Massive. And then 2003 was pretty good. Blink-182, Puddle of Mud, 311, Death Leopard, for some reason, Sum 41, Saliva, and Trapped. Uh, I gotta say. And then in 2004, it became a tour and had Velvet Revolver, Stained, Nerd, Disturbed, The Crystal Method, Seven Dust, Hoobastank, Three Days Grace, Finch, and Finger Eleven. Uh, and then it scaled back in 2005 to be a Pennsylvania-based band thing with Rusted Root, Live, The Juliana Theory, and Bloodhound Gang. And then they decided not to continue the event in 2006 after making a deal to sponsor a series of concerts by Steven Van Zandt. <laughs> what, from the Leonard Skinner? <laughs> yeah. Oh, Little Steven. Oh. Little Steven, yeah. Oh, Sorry. Yeah. yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah, man. He's going to bring out Question Mark and the Mysterious, which, by the way, I like. Don't get mad about it. But he, he likes all that weird shit. You know what I yeah. mean? Yeah, he, yeah. I mean, yeah. he Little likes Steven, the same yeah. basic kind of music I like, which is kind of weirdly embarrassing because he's like kind of such a dork. But uh, he did. He, he He likes the same kind of music I do. So. I'm going to let him slide. Uh, but yeah, that Rolling Rock Town Fair was like a big fucking deal. And it's funny that I think about it now. It's so weird the way you are when you're you're younger. And it's like, hey, I'm in Ohio. Hey, this concert's in Pennsylvania, which is a state that touches Ohio. And I'm like, that's too far. I can't. I just... <laughs> I don't know how I'll ever get there. What am I going to do? And it's just fucking crazy. Because I did that with Cleveland, too, John. I'd be like, Cleveland? That's a two-hour drive. Why would I ever drive two hours to go to Cleveland for a concert? And Detroit, three-hour drive. Me? No. Not going to fucking do it. Never going to drive. And it, it was like, I missed so many cool things because I just, I thought that, like, the only concerts you were supposed to go to were the ones within 30 minutes of your home. And uh, <laughs> then, then when you have gone on tour and you've been around to a lot of the country and shit like that, you're like, how the fuck didn't I go to all those concerts that were fucking four hours away? That's like no miles, basically four hours for me. So, well, we, I mean, cause I, I had to go to so many shows in Seattle cause just like a lot of bands wouldn't cross the Canadian border. So yeah. I, I lived in a border town. So Seattle was about two hours for me to get to. So, you know, same distance as you to Cleveland. And, um, yeah, I mean, that was just part of growing up. It was just like, if you wanted to see bands, you had to go to Seattle. I mean, I probably drove to Seattle. I mean, I don't know. I mean, at least 30 times to see music, probably more, probably closer to 50. Um, and that was just, you just kind of had to do it if you wanted to see the bands you liked. So it is, yeah. but it is, you know, but I could also understand if every band or a lot of the bands I wanted to see were coming to the city I lived in all the time then I might have that kind of mentality of like, I'll, I'll wait till the next tour. They'll probably come to Columbus and then I don't have to, I don't have to yeah, worry Columbus about was it. A, was a big new metal town anyway. And also like, 
a total pain in the ass. Like now that I've toured, I get how much of a pain in the ass Columbus is. It, like kind of not worth the uh, always one of the things I've always like really loved uh the Chapo guys for is when they did their Midwest tour, they did Columbus so we could be on stage with them in our hometown. Like as a as a they could have gone to Cleveland, they could have gone to Cincinnati, uh, but they chose to come to Columbus because of us. And uh, they even got here like two days early and we kind of hung out around town and stuff like that. And uh, I, I really, I love that about them because it is 10 times easier to do Cleveland or Cincinnati and then be in another city that is worth tour. Like you could do right. Cleveland and Detroit. <laughs> you know what I mean? And it's like only like a, a short drive and you would probably sell out both. I think that's how a lot of bands see that is it's right. like if i go to cleveland i can do buffalo i can do like pittsburgh there's just all these different places columbus there is nothing within two hours of like, just nothing you could i'm dayton you would play dayton ohio which a lot of bands did actually <laughs> right <laughs> the, i saw corn there and i saw pantera there i saw pantera get the key to the city uh not the key to the city it was like uh a plaque where they were called the the official house band of Dayton's Hera Arena. And like the what? guy that I swear to God, and the guy that like I don't think it's one guy that owns it, but the guy that runs the place comes out with this big plaque uh for Pantera and hands it to him before they're set. It was it was fucking nuts. That's one wild. of the craziest things I saw because it was just like Pantera, like of all the all yeah, the bands. Like- I know that's hot. Like, isn't Taylor Swift has a banner at Staples Center, I think, right? Or somewhere. And then I know, like, I think Bon Jovi has one in Toronto for some reason, I think. Yeah, um, like, some- I know that they do that kind of thing. But, like, I think it's Toronto that Bon Jovi has the banner. Yeah. Bon Jovi has a permanent banner inside the Air Canada Center. Yeah. For, yeah. Some, for some reason. I don't well, know why. But the Hera Arena thing is interesting because, like, they basically they they when they came to Ohio, I mean the only time they ever came to Columbus uh, Pantera ever came to Columbus was with Ozfest. Right. Uh when they played Ohio, they played Hera Arena. And uh it was very weird because it's like Dayton, what what made you choose Dayton? You know? <laughs> but uh uh I it may have just been an easier city to get to, but like that that kind of thing is like a lot of times you weren't able to see the bands you wanted to see because, you know, they just, they weren't coming anywhere within two hours. You know, I, I, one, one that I always think about is, uh, uh, Ty Siegel is a dude that I love like anything he does. I'm just fucking over the moon for it. He just plays the kind of music that I, that I really like. And, uh, he played one hour away from here recently and I didn't go. And, it's the only time he's ever played in Ohio and he still <laughs> has never come to Ohio. He was fucking one hour away. And I was like, I don't know, man, an hour to see this guy that I'm like, I, because it's like, I live in the capital city of a fucking state that everybody knows they got to get here. But yeah, seven does played here a lot because yeah. it was always like you, it, when the shows are that close to you and you're young, 
there's a there's a thing that you do oftentimes where you're like uh i'll just go to this show i don't care for the band but like it's right here and all the people in town that like the music that i like yeah you know what i mean like, all oh, i totally are- did that too and that because that was also back in the day when concert tickets were like 15 bucks or 10 bucks or whatever so it's like would, okay sure why not that was what's funny when my wife found some of my old concert tickets and and i shared them online and people were like fucking corn for 14 dollars yeah dude <laughs> i know it's like crazy to think about this yeah. bon jovi story is so funny uh i just i have to read it it's really really funny Immortalizing Bon Jovi with the additional honor of a permanent banner was a special gesture to signify their record-breaking shows in Toronto, Zronick said. It has not been determined whether every wall of famer will get a banner in the arena, he said. Bon Jovi has sold more than 600,000 tickets in its 17 appearances at the ACC, more than any band in the arena's history. In 2008, they beat a record they shared with the Spice Girls and the Police when they sold out five shows in the same tour. John Bon Jovi, the band's lead singer, responded to the news. Since 1984, Canada and especially Toronto have been there for the band and myself, Bon Jovi told the star in an email from Green Bay, Wisconsin, where the Because We Can tour has touched down. We have had so many memories together and look forward to many more. I just love the idea of like, hey, we're going to put a banner in the roof for you. And he's like, barely he's like what why like that's almost seems to be his even he's like i don't think i think that's for the hockey players I, uh, and basketball stuff i don't think we you don't need to put me in, up there i don't think yeah it's weird it, it is uh uh it is it's a really i i guess like it's just like maybe the guy that runs the arena was because pantera was like not a small band right no like, yeah no they're not. massive and i i feel like kind of the uh, uh the guy that owns the arena was like well they've played here a lot and they sell a lot of tickets i'm now a pantera fan and yeah. i want to meet them and no one else <laughs> yeah no one else comes to dayton we'll just do this thing they got to come to the arena at 1 p.m in the afternoon do this thing they don't want to do but i'll get to shake their hand and say what up and it's the same thing with the bon jovi thing yeah uh uh like Bon Jovi comes to town and, and like the guy that runs the arena is like, oh, I love Bon Jovi, but yeah. I don't usually get because the, the, it, it, I played clubs when when I would tour and I didn't meet the owner of any. I, I can count on my hand like four owners of the bar that I probably met the whole time they're they're not there for every show so you can just see the owner being a pain in the ass and just i just want to meet i just want to meet fucking bon jovi man (laughs) we'll give him something yeah what can we do what can we do so i can meet him yeah it's a good call um okay seven dust let's get back to the album uh brian do you want to talk about any of the songs in particular i mean i know that you said every song you've uh, you kind of had at least one part of it you didn't like but let's break down let's break down some of the songs specifically where were you at with uh with with the album okay so the song i hated the most <laughs> was licking cream <laughs> i heard that song i fucking was like who could ever like this song it, it it's a they here's something they're bad at guests guest artists 
because I don't think any of them were utilized in a way that I like. Like, I found that song with Chino at the end to be, I thought that song was fucking terrible, man. It was a really hard song to listen to for me. Um, not, not from anything. I don't think Lejean or Chino did anything wrong. The music of that song just sounded like somebody banging on stuff. Well, that's, just ben, wasn't, that's Bender is the one with Chino. It's a terrible song. And Licking Cream was one that made a huge impression on me. Now, yeah, li- me- Licking Cream is the one with uh, Skin from Skunk and Nancy. Oh, no. Um, oh, man. I w- meant to write down the song I liked the end of. I Let me look at the... Because uh, there is a song I like the end of, and not just because it was over. The one like, thing I, I do like about this, too... So, sorry, I should say I don't mind Licking Cream, mostly because I like, I like Skin a lot. I don't know that I really... I've tried to get into Skunk and Nancy a few times. I don't know if I could ever fully get there, but I think her and, and Lejean kind of playing off of each other uh, is cool. And I, I think they have a good, uh, you know, they have a good vibe together, I think. And yeah, I just think that uh, it's a good, I don't know. It's got a good vibe to me, but I also don't hate seven <sighs> dusts music in the way that you do. But I will say one thing I did love is I don't know if this is because of a, um, if this is because of a censorship thing, because licking cream obviously has some connotations or what, but now the song is known on apps as licking creme, like yeah. it's spelled the French way with the uh, accent grave on it. And it's just very funny to me that they, I don't know who made that choice or why, but it definitely was called licking cream. And if you look at their Wikipedia page, it's spelled like licking cream and you can see the, uh, the original single release as well. It's spelled cream like C R E A M. But for whatever reason on the streaming services, now it is known as licking creme, which is, uh, extremely funny to me. Yeah. I, I, I Googled, uh, I Googled it and it's licking cream on the, uh, on Google when you get the lyrics. Um, it, it is a song that I hated and, uh, the lyrics, uh, First of all, I, this is the song I thought they said "corrupt my whole." So <laughs> it is. Licking it cream is the song where it says "corrupt my home." But my says, hope, my hope. Enjoy as hell between the lines. Lick the cream that smells, and I'm like, this is a sex song. I'm 99 percent sure it's a sex song, but I I didn't feel any. I didn't. I don't know. It sucked. Um, and and the way that. <laughs> The way that they sang together didn't make sense to me in a weird way. Uh, it just, I don't know, man. It feels like, and and he see, again, he seems like an extremely nice guy, but it feels like he likes to like, and I know he learned through, you know, like going in a church choir. He likes to sing with the other person on the song instead of giving them their spot which is what a lot of bands will do is like, Hey, we have this person on the song. I do the verse. They do the chorus. I do the next verse. They do the chorus. And then maybe we do the breakdown together, but that's not what this song was. And it it felt like they were like harmonizing together, but it didn't sound good to me. So that's one song that I didn't enjoy was licking cream. That's the one I hated the most. Bender now is also one. That I found to be like, I don't know how you fumble with Chino 
but they did it. They fucking uh, did it. Brian, it's not Chino that's on the track. It's Pony One. Pony Wong. Um, yeah, I don't know how they fumbled that one, but I mean, I think Bender like is a d- good song, man. I don't know. And and like the video fucking rocks. Have you seen the video for Bender? No, it's uh, it's it, I should have sent it to you because I think you would actually like it. It's Lejean and Chino and they're just riding horses and it okay. rocks. There's like <laughs> no real reason why it, it like it almost and it's like soft filtered. Like it almost looks like a soap opera, like the end of a soap opera where like two male lovers are like riding off into the sunset. But it's Chino and Lejean and it rocks. It's really good. <laughs> So that might have improved. That might have helped your uh, improved your mood on the song. But I think Bender's a good song. Like, again, I'm sort of surprised you don't like it. Like, I feel like it's got chugging drums and like kind of the stuff that you like about songs usually. And then Chino's on it. So it sounded like a mess to me, though. Right. Like I talked about how I like all the riffs and shit like that. That is the song they didn't put a riff on. And it, it to me, to me. It felt like they were trying to make a Deftone song and just out of their depth in that department. They should have made a seven dust song with Chino, not tried to do a Deftone song because I, yeah. I didn't. It, it very much did not sound like the rest of the album. Yeah, and, I guess it uh, does have like almost like an adrenaline era Deftones feel to it. Yeah. And it just doesn't it doesn't sound as good as that stuff. So like. I don't know. I just, I, I, I did not like that song, but again, every single song on this album had a riff or something that I really enjoyed. You were totally right in that. Like I would enjoy, I enjoy the music in spurts, like 10 second, like, Oh, here's a fucking 10 seconds of a riff. I really like. And then uh, something happens that I don't like and then 10 seconds of the riff comes and then by the end of the song like I've liked most of it but there is al- there's always something where I was like oh god and 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 again Lejean can sing like a motherfucker but he doesn't sing the way that he he doesn't how can I explain this he doesn't sing like like the rest of the bands that I really like. Like if you look at my new metal, like top bands and how they sing, none of them are anything. He's like a different thing than them. I think the closest maybe is Stained that I like, but I only liked Dysfunction by Stained. Once the next album came out, I was out right. on, on even Stained. So like and I don't think Aaron Lewis has the same kind of voice in that album. Um, but like, I don't know. He, he sings. The reason I call it generic is because a lot of the times he's doing that. Like denial seems it hard to go. He, like he's doing that thing. Which right. You know, I hate, <laughs> I, I hate all that. Like, yeah, I understand. It, it, that would be the, he doesn't sing the way I like Chino sings the way I like Fred Durst sings the way I like Jonathan Davis sings the way I like, and none of them three have totally that. different singers, <laughs> but, but, but like, you know, the way have... I like, here's three examples of guys who sing totally different from each other, <laughs> but I, it's not even that they sing totally different from, cause they do sing totally different from each other, but they also sing like totally different from the post grunge. Yeah. Yeah. No, like, I get what thing. you're saying. And, and this feels like some of this stuff, 
feels like a radio was written as a radio hit, I guess. If, right. if, uh, and I don't like that. I never do. And I, I don't like that voice. And it'll always turn me off every single time. That's fair. Um, I will say just to add to the, the Deftones <laughs> discussion, a very funny article from MTV. And it's amazing to think that seven dust was a big enough band to even warrant an article about this. It's not, uh, but this is from October 15th, 1999 Deftones, Chino Moreno quote, I'm not pony one, uh, which is already amazing. Uh, the Deftones frontman wants everyone to know that he's still just Chino Moreno. It's no secret that Moreno laid down guest vocals on the song Bender from Seven Dust's recently released album Home. The liner notes to the album, though, credits the vocals to the mysteriously named Pony One, which has led fans circulating the now rampant rumor that Pony One will be the vocalist's new handle. Not so. Moreno said in a statement that he decided to come up with a pseudonym for the Seven Dust credits, but admitted that Pony One wasn't even what he chose to go with. Quote, I told him to put Pony Wong, since Wong is my middle name, he said, pointing out that a miscommunication led to Wong becoming one. He added, the whole rumor thing made the title of the album, The White Pony, an obvious choice. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they obviously didn't end up calling it The White Pony. They called it White Pony. Um, but it does seem like in a weird way, Seven Dust's home influenced the naming of White Pony, uh, which is extremely funny. Um, and then also very funny that he had to uh, release a statement to be like, I'm not pony one. That's not my new name. And also seven dust fucked up and I wanted to be pony Wong. <laughs> well, for the, yeah, I mean, I love the fact that he used the pseudonym because, you know, the reason he did that is because, again, Lejean seems like the nicest dude in the fucking world. Uh, which that, uh, and you all got to think about how bad it hurts me to say bad things about this guy that is an incredible seems like one of the nicest guys in the world. So when you're thinking about his feelings, also think about my feelings because it's really hard for me to do this. But uh, uh, I, I, I just I'm always like thinking about your feelings, Brian. Chino didn't want to be on a new metal album. You know what I mean? Like this is full on that era where it's like, no, I, I got to stay away. So he just didn't want his name on it. I'm pony I'm, one baby, but I'm also yeah, not I'm, pony one. Yeah. I'm pony Wong. I'm pony uh, Wong. Very weird name, by the way. I don't know how he got obsessed with ponies, but it's one of the well, funniest. they're in their riding horses in the video. Maybe that was all related. They were like, oh, you called yourself pony one. Let's ride some ponies in the in the video for this song. But pony yeah. thing is a crazy thing for a like an older man to get into. Like a 28 <laughs> year old man is like, I like ponies. I love I ponies. Pony. Ponies rock. Yeah. yeah. Um, I'll just say before we get into the article, sort of last word from me on the album, I think maybe too. And I talked about this a little bit when we covered uh, Southside Double Wide, the acoustic album over on our Patreon, patreon.com slash the POD cast um, is that um, Morgan Rose is a really, really good drummer. Um, and I'm a drummer as well. So I think there is part of me that listens to seven dust almost exclusively for that or, or not listen, but like I like seven dust in a way 
because I think the drumming is so good. And I think maybe that's part of what makes it stand out to me where I'm less concerned about Lejean's voice or kind of what's going on there. Like it just seems to me that that's maybe what gets me really into it. But overall, yeah, I mean, I don't think this is the best album we've ever covered, but it's certainly nowhere near the worst. And I think it's like a competent entry in the sort of mid tier new metal that we've done on the show, regardless of what happened after this. I mean, I haven't really seven dust has released 12 albums, which is crazy. (laughs) Um, and this is album number two. So I've, I've really only listened to this one, the one before it, which was self-titled and then the one after this, which is animosity. Um, and then the rest I never really got into, but yeah, I mean, to me, this has always been, a solid album with some really good songs. Yeah. I, I thought one song we didn't touch on that's outside of the singles. That's really good is head trip. Uh, that's track number three. I thought that was like heavy, had some really nice, like new metal elements to it. I thought was really, really solid. Um, and then, yeah, I, I think it suffers a little bit from what a lot of the mid tier new metal albums did at this time where the end it tails off pretty hard. Um, you know, I think the first half is pretty solid up to and including licking cream. I don't like rumble fish. I don't think that's a very good song, but uh, <laughs> licking cream is pretty good. And then grasp crumbled feel. So are all just like, okay, they it definitely feels like filler. And then it kind of ends with bender, which I think is pretty good. Um, and just like a fun way to end the album. Hey, we got a guest appearance from our friend Chino. Deftones are about to release white pony about to blow up. It's, you know, it's, it's just kind of right in that sort of, it's right in that, in that space where it's just kind of nice to listen to. It's not the best album. It's not the worst. Even the reviews sort of reflect that Rolling Stone gave it three out of five. Entertainment Weekly gave it a C plus all music gave it four stars out of five. Like it's just, yeah, it's just kind of in that mid range of albums that I think is cool. Cause I think in new metal, especially a lot of the, a lot of the bands, you know, we really only think of sort of the big, like five or six bands. And I I think like for a new, for a mid tier new metal band, uh, seven dust, pretty solid. Okay. Let's get to the articles. There's only, sorry, you got something to add to that. Just one last thing. If you go to my Twitter, uh, murder X Brian and look at the media tab, I also posted, and I was going to put this on my soundboard, John, uh, a clip from feel. So (laughs) yes, I don't have any idea at all what like uh that voice he i'm gonna it was the weirdest thing ever and it was like that was a another point where i was like are you goofing over there lejean are are we goofing around uh but again i i like the guy and uh uh i like him as a person not as a a singer in a band is all Totally, totally fair. And also, Brian, one thing I should add as well, because I know that you, uh, I know that you had a crush, but uh, Morgan Rose was married to Raina from Cold Chamber. Yeah, I know. I remember knowing that and being like pissed about it. You know what I mean? Like, what the fuck, dude? They ended up, they ended up divorcing. Uh, yeah. In well, in, yeah, that uh, whole Raina thing got wild. Well, the whole, well, yeah, exactly that too. But, uh, but yeah, so. Also, you know, I know that was a big moment in your life when she stepped on your foot. So, Um, all right, we've got three articles here. One is from our good friends over at Maximum Inc. The other one is from MTV. And then those are both from the time period. And then one is a newer one uh, from 2019, I believe, from Ambient Light, which is a New Zealand 
uh, rock thing. And it's sort of Lejean looking back at uh, seven dusts career. Brian, I'll let you start. What did you uh, pull? I have to admit the article's not great. Apparently not a lot of people wanted to interview seven dust in 1999. It was tough to, even though they had a gold record, it was tough to find stuff on them. But uh, yeah, did you, what did you pull out here, Bri? So Maximum Mink, I'm going to do a patented POD cast. We're being mean thing <laughs> here. Yep. I'm just going to yep. let you know this. Yeah. We started as a band with a following of 450 people and two years later have sold 500,000 records. Recollects a wide, wide eyed rose. I still can't get over the fact that 500,000 people paid money to hear our music. Now, I'm really glad that happened, but you started out as a band with a following of zero people, <laughs> not 450 people. Yeah, you know what? You we started start jamming in our garage. We started jamming in our garage, and you wouldn't believe how many people showed up. I would have fucking questioned them about that. As a journalist, I would have said, you didn't start. The first time you played, there were 450 people there? I don't fucking think so. Uh, so... That was all I pulled from that article, but I don't know why. I just was like, I was so annoyed when he said 450 people, but uh, I want to get into the MTV one. Sure, sure. Can I do, I'm, I'm going to do one yeah. more thing from the Maximum Inc. one, uh, mm -hmm. which I thought was somewhat funny, where this is again, Morgan Rose, and, and kind of talking about the new metal sort of thing at the time, where he says, it's about our personal lives, but we don't, or sorry, this is Clint Lowry, rather. Um, and he, he was, it seems like the main songwriter for the band. It, it seems like he did even write lyrics for some of the songs. Cause some of the songs, he's the only person with a credit on the song. Um, but yeah, uh, he says it's, uh, it's about our personal lives, but we don't get into the specifics. It's aggressive words, aggressive lyrics, and it's sad at times, but it doesn't tap into anything violent. We have a responsibility to ourselves to write music that makes us happy. And I don't think anyone can pull any negativity from that. It's like, well, that doesn't make any sense really <laughs> like <laughs> we're right writing there. about aggressive things but it's not violent it's like well it's sort of not up to you if it's perceived as like violent or not um you know it makes us happy even though it's about times we were sad it yeah it just it was it just sounded like a guy saying stuff to say th stuff yeah 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 that is very funny to uh uh that, that is actually really funny like uh uh I don't know. I for, I forget what I was going to say here because uh, I was learn. I actually got the sound alerts turned off on my phone. Hell yeah, uh, on the computer. But uh, yeah, they uh, can I, can I do the MTV one here? Yeah. So this MTV one, the article is entitled Seven Dust's Home," inspired by life on tour. Band members say the album's lyrics recall 21 months of experience on the road. It was written by Christopher O'Connor, and it's from September 27th, 1999. One of the harder things to read on your phone. Yes, I know. It's that. well, the, yeah, the MTV formatting is all fucked up. It's clear yeah. no one's babysitting the old MTV articles right now. I, uh, this is a part I really like. Head trip, which begins with a solitary guitar riff and then kicks into three layers of up tempo guitar rock, was written about what Lowry called the the quote disappointing attitudes of the other bands they have encountered <laughs> on tour. Head trip, trouble with your head. It's so in the clouds, the chorus goes. Now, I'm going to say this. So they're probably... You, they're, maybe Deftones. What I think happened is that the bands that they tour with were like, our fans are fucking idiots. 
And like they didn't want to like admit it, but their fans are fucking idiots. We're a bunch of idiots listen to this music. Like, I don't know if it's the at like I, I also it made me want to know who who pissed him off, and the only one I can think of, and he's on this album, is Chino. Is probably who pissed them off. Yeah, maybe, or maybe they Coal Chamber, right? That turned out they maybe had a feud later in li- in their band's life. Maybe there was something there, but head trip. But, but, yeah. but it's funny to write a song. I don't know. It's a weird thing, but it makes you once you know what it's about. It kind of does have me sitting here like, who did they? Because they toured with everybody. So, yeah, Cole Chamber could be one because Dez has a vibe of kind of like he's superior totally. to other people. But I just, I, I would love to know the bands that these guys, that they were writing about because they are definitely in the scene that we're talking about, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah, I had uh, the quote right after this. Uh, oh, this yeah. is uh, true psycho behavior. Uh, <laughs> according to Lowry, denial is based on an argument with a woman, which he recorded <laughs> at one show. And I, so at first I was like, wait, are they talking about he wrote it about a, arguing with a woman and then they recorded it like after the show or something? Uh, no. Fading in with majestic guitar noise and bass drums, the song builds with Witherspoon shouting words that Lowry said include some taken straight from the tape of the argument. It's like, okay, wait a minute. <laughs> you were arguing with someone at one of your shows and you fucking recorded it and then you wrote lyrics that are directly from the argument? It's killing me that 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 like even just the first line made me laugh because of the formatting of the article. You would only get like it would be like like two lines, right? Yeah, yeah. And I wanted to even screenshot it the 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 way that it landed. It said denial is about an argument with a woman. <laughs> it's yeah. like oh, who hasn't been there, my friend? Yeah. <laughs> and I love that the lyrics it cited says, "Yeah, Lowry said includes some taken straight from the tape of the argument." And this is apparently the words from the argument. Why don't you just say what you mean? All I hear is steam and never say that to me. Never say that to me. Wipe that shit off your face. So uh, I don't well, know. I don't want to know. I don't want. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously a smile, I guess. You know, get that shit off your face. You know, like you're mad, but it, it's very a, funny when you ha- hear it like written out as a as a lyric. It's weird for me to think too because, like, he was arguing with a women woman. He said, "Wipe that shit off your face." And uh, I, I want to know where the argument was happening. Also, like, did they bring a woman on a tour bus and then she argued with them? Because if so, I want to give her a prize. Yeah. Because that is a very funny idea. <laughs> it seems like some, yeah, something like that happened. Um, and then jerks. I had one more from the MTV thing where it's just a classic. Every It seems like every producer in the 1990s was just like a fucking dick and impossible <laughs> to work with. Uh, they're talking about Toby Wright. Uh, who I believe produced um, Follow the Leader. But it says, Toby Wright, who has worked with Allison Chains and Korn, co-produced the record. Lowry credited Wright with bringing the fire out of the band when it came time to record. 
He's just a great motivator, Lowry said. At the same time, he'll piss you off just to get a performance out of you. There were times when everyone thought he was a complete prick. At the very end of the day, we would realize he did it on purpose. Now, the funny part about this is there were times when is put in journalist square brackets. So Lowry didn't actually say that. And it makes me wonder if he went back and he was like, uh, don't print that Toby Wright was a complete prick. Maybe just say there, maybe just say like, ah, sometimes he was a complete prick, but we like, you know, we're fine with it. But it is, it's so funny how many of these interviews we read and basically everyone's like, yeah, this guy was a fucking asshole, but you know what? It was, it was good, man. It was really good for us. That is really that. I love that because you're totally right about that. I had this line too. Uh, Bassist Vince Hornsby and guitarist John Connolly took their name from a restaurant sign in Atlanta. The group formed in Atlanta in 1996 after Rose recruited the other members from various local bands. Witherspoon played in a band called Body and Soul, which totally matches him. Totally like that, matches yep. that name. But then the others played in metal bands, Steel Rain and Snake Nation. <laughs> Snake Nation <laughs> is an unbelievable <laughs> I wish they were Snake Nation. Snake Nation know, is so good. I don't even know how Seven Dust because a restaurant called Seven Dust is that no, no. So they got their the name Rumblefish, I think, because originally their name was Rumblefish, and then because it does say Seven Dust took their name from a restaurant sign, but that's not right. They took their name from a pesticide. There's a pesticide called Seven Dust, but it's spelled S E V I N. Oh, but okay. It, Cause it, it like I, it still exists. It's like you could you if you just Google Seven Dust with like I N, it's uh the company's name is Seven, and then they make like an insect killer dust. So that's where they came up with Seven Dust from. It's not from a restaurant sign. So my guess was they meant MTV got it confused. Rumblefish, their original name was from a restaurant sign. And then remember on the bonus episode, I was speculating if it was they changed their name because there's a book called Rumblefish by the same woman that wrote The Outsiders, but it's not. Apparently, there was another band called Rumblefish, so then they changed their name to Seven Dust. Anyway. Yeah, I, I knew Rumblefish was a movie. I thought that's probably what they named it after. But uh, Snake Nation. We should rename Snake our show Nation. Snake Nation. I, mean, I love the name Snake Nation. When I read that, I was like, y'all should have kept, kept Snake Nation. Snake You'd Nation. probably be the biggest band. <laughs> you know? Yeah, I, I know. Um, and then the last article is, yeah, from Ambient Light, uh, which, as I said before, is a New Zealand publication. This is from 2019. It's an interview with Lejean Witherspoon. And the interview is titled When Fans Become Family. It's an interview by Sarah Kidd. Uh, Brian, what did you take out of this one? Okay. Lejean has the same disease I have where, uh, and I, I just wanted to bring this up. Uh your fans are certainly looking forward to seeing you again. That's for sure. And he goes, well, thank you. I don't like to say fans. I like to say family, which I don't like to say family. Either. No. You're not my family, no. but I don't like to say fans. <laughs> right. Like, okay. I've always been a guy that just says listeners. They're the people listening because right. I never want to say. Because you're uncomfortable with the idea that someone would be a fan of yours. But I also like think calling it a family we're too old to have fans now i think everybody's a family at this point is like that's too far in the other direction like i totally get not wanting to say fans because you don't ever want to think that there are people that are a fanatic about you 
For sure. You know, we're like, oh man, there's some people that really, they think you're the greatest thing in the world. <laughs> so I, I've never been a guy that, that said fan. So I, I really, that's, that's actually kind of where, because I feel like that, and this is going to sound like, but now I know how bad this is going to sound already, you know, but it, it makes him feel like a, a lot more thoughtful of a person than a lot of his peers in that. Like, I always think that people who, who are uncomfortable with the concept of, of fans, uh, it, it's because they're thoughtful. So basically I just called myself thoughtful, uh, which is weird, but I, I really like that. This was the article that like really made me feel like, God, I feel like a dick like not liking this he's like this is my okay now here's here's the next piece john i'm gonna read this the under the underwear thing yep yeah this is proof of some of the stuff i've been bringing up about seven dust this is my happy space so he's talking about the clothes that he wears on stage yeah he talks about how he had to because he grew up uh singing in church and in church if you were a good singer you got to wear a different colored robe and so now with seven dust his robe equivalent is wearing bracelets and armbands. It, it's like <laughs> takes him out of being Lejean, the dad and husband and into being Lejean, the onstage guy. So that's what he's talking about. Go ahead. Brian. You know, I tried to do that, John. It, it, I don't know if I ever told you this, but in uh, like the first three or four years of a uh, street fight, uh, I tried to do the same thing. Cause I had seen so many people, uh, say like oh i'm a different person when i'm not you know recording so i was like i only want to be seen in boots jeans and flannels and for like three years all i wore was boots jeans and flannels so i could separate myself from the performer (laughs) you have never told me that before but that's phenomenal insane and nobody was listening to the show either i wasn't touring (laughs) or anything there was no reason for it uh but so he goes uh this is my happy space if i gotta put this necklace on and gotta put these underwear on that i've had for a year laughs um i'm kidding that gets weird but i do that for a while and then they have raucous mutual laughter he goes i remember telling ben from baking benjamin he met the benjamin the Uh, benjamin who was broken (laughs) i said man these are my drawers he was like what and i was like yeah these are my magic drawers so basically he wears the same underwear on stage he he claims he washes them yeah he says let me remind you they did get washed every night but they were magic drawers that i had to wear when i performed only when i performed and i think yes i agree with you brian number one definitely not washed every night on the road no fucking chance and number two this is why I normally don't do retrospective interviews on the show or I try not to, but this quote is the sole reason why I did this because I think this might explain why LeJean Witherspoon was picking at his dick. He yep. was wearing underwear that had not been washed for many nights and that he had yep. sweat in every night on stage. Yeah. It's fucking nuts, dude. <laughs> it, it is. It, it is unbelievable that like the thing I remember about the guy is he was picking at his dick. And then I find out he wears the same underwear on stage. <laughs> and secondly, by the way, you can't. I've, I've been on tour for two weeks and uh, wasn't a, you don't do laundry every day. Oh, no chance. And a lot of venues don't even have laundry like you. None. You sort of plan your. 
I, you know, I have a, a good friend who works with bands and that's her whole job. She's a tour manager. And she told me like, yeah, you, you plan your tour around the venues that have laundry in the venue. So, you know, like, okay, when I, when we go to, uh, when we go to Dayton, the, the, we know that the venue has laundry. So we'll make sure we bring all our clothes and we do laundry mm-hmm. at the venue. And then we go off, you know, whatever, like it's, it's a thing for sure. So yeah, I thought that was extremely funny. It, it, it fucking killed me that he said that, that like in that piece, it was just like, and again, I've toured and I've been on the road for two weeks at a time and I wasn't able to do laundry I was able to do laundry like maybe once in two weeks, you know? So you, you ain't cleaning those underwear. It's fine. You can put, maybe you're getting two wears out of them where you turn them inside out. You know that trick? Yeah. Maybe he's doing that. It's fine. But he was picking at his dick when I saw him. And now there's proof. There's proof. Yep. Uh, did you have anything else from this one? I think I'm good. I think that's a good way to put a bow on it. I was going to talk about how he interviewed for Jesus Christ Superstar on Broadway and got it, it seems like, and turned it down to do a Seven Dust album. Uh, I did think that was extremely funny. (laughs) It's like, man, again, like I agree with you, Brian, you seem like a great guy. Maybe you should have done Jesus Christ Superstar on Broadway. Maybe that would would, have. Yeah, maybe that's kind of. Yeah, he says uh, music is a wondrous thing uh, and no one where no boundaries should be set. Listen to whatever brings you joy. Cause earlier he's talking about, uh, you know, different types of music that he likes that don't, that aren't really rock and roll. And he says, absolutely. Let me tell you something. I got called to do Jesus Christ superstar for Broadway. It was right before we did this last album. All I see is war and all my mind is on this album. Then all of a sudden, right before we're supposed to fly in to do the album, I fly into New York to do the audition for Jesus Christ superstar. What am I doing there? What am I doing there? And I go in and I memorize this song kind of, as I only had a couple days to do it. I sang it in front of the UK staff and I remember the big guy saying smashing and I thought that was great I mean is that a good thing I would hope so yeah that's a good thing that's a very good thing right right so anyways I wasn't able to do it but luckily I'm in their books now I had to do the new album and we had a tour and it would have affected everything it would have taken too much away from the band but I just wanted to share that with you take (laughs) something away from the band man no one listened to all I see is war dude get on fucking Broadway Lejean if you're listening to this baby Pack up the suitcase. Pack yeah. up the fucking suitcase. Get in the car. Start the car, LeJean. Yeah, do not go on tour. I, it's probably, honestly, pressure. You know what I mean? Like, it's yes. probably some sort of pressure from the other guys in the band more than anything. Oh, I mean, I'm like, sure. I'm sure. Like, but, like, I, I, I know what it's like to be, like, tied to somebody that <laughs> if you do stuff, <laughs> it fucks everything up. I understand. Yeah, we've we've all been there. But anyway, uh, Lejean, you might have fumbled the bag, baby. Um, okay, we we're done with the we're done with the articles. It is now time for the tweet defense. Uh, if this is your first time listening to the show, this is how we review or the sorry, this is how we rate the album every month. It's just if someone were to tweet at you that this album was bad, it's how many tweets you would do in defense of it. Uh, Brian, I'm I'm guessing we're gonna have a pretty low score from your side of things here. Okay, I'm gonna give this a one, and. Uh, <laughs> What I'm going to do is be like, somebody tweets at me, they're like, Seven Dust sucks. And I'm like, they got some fine riffs, you know? And then that's yeah. it. That's the that's whole defense. It. It's like, yeah. hey, did you listen to the first three seconds of Home? That fucking bang. 
One. This is the lowest. I'm serious. This might be the lowest you've ever done. This yeah. is my least favorite album. <clears throat> Considering you just covered. did like 200 million infinities or whatever for Deftone self-titled. Uh, yeah, hour. one is one is pretty rough in comparison. Um, but it's the word. I'm serious when I say that this was the album I liked the least of anything we've ever done. I mean, I, that's love crazy considering them. we've done Puddle of Mud and Crazy Town. And a Puddle of Mud had like five songs I liked and Crazy Town. <laughs> just a nice fun album you know so oh yeah. boy well anyway uh I, my tweet defense for this i'd probably go with uh i'll go three i think that's probably uh you know about where i'm at with it again i like it it's not it's not that i don't like it i just think one tweet for each of the best songs on the record denial waffle and bender and uh that's about it you know good good like i said good mid-range album nothing really beyond that for me but uh but solid you know seven dust solid band they're still doing it 25 years later and hats off to them and uh maybe lejean secure the broadway bag my dude secure the broadway bag and maybe fucking wash your underwear or and wash your underwear three pair of lucky underwear. bring three pairs bless them all <laughs> make them all lucky and then then you got six nights right now, there uh if you want to bless us sorry brian you got one more thing to add i was just gonna say now if they're mormon garments then please continue to wear them i don't want you to get in trouble with Joseph yeah, that's Smith. a different type of magic underwear. Uh, <laughs> if you want to, if you want to bless our show, uh, you can do so at patreoncom slash the POD cast. That's cast with a K like the band corn. It's only $4 a month and you get three bonus episodes every single month. You get a full length, a full full length bonus episode. And then you also get two singles bonus episodes where we review new metal songs. Last month, we covered a kind of a unique one. We, we listened to, uh, Silly Goose, a brand new uh, new metal band from Atlanta who has a very unique way of uh, promoting themselves and doing shows. And th- th- we both kind of liked the album. It's a, it's a 2022 release, but a nice solid new metal throwback. It's called The Streets Heard It First. And uh, yeah, we had, we had a fun time with it. So check that one out over on the Patreon. Uh, we have an entire back catalog. It's over 100 episodes. Uh, you get that immediately the second you start donating. So head on over there and uh, support the show that way. And also, if you like the show, tell a friend. You know, it's a new metal pod, surely. If you listen to new metal, you have friends that like it and you can tell them about it. And we would love that. Okay, Brian, uh, we are now here at the challenge. Uh, this is where we give ourselves a little task to do based on each album that we listen to. And I have to report, Brian, that uh, unfortunately you have lost once again. Uh, last month's last month's challenge was to rename the Deftones self-titled album because for a long time the working title of that album was Lovers uh, before they decided to make it uh, self-titled. Brian's suggestion was to rename it Tone Deaf. Switch the name around. My suggestion was to rename it Shabari Videotape, uh, and I took that down. So it's another win for me. I'm at 21 wins. Brian, you're at 19, and we have two ties. And so for this this month, we were sort of inspired by uh, Chino wanting to have a pseudonym on Bender, wanted to be Pony Wong, ended up being Pony One. And, uh, you know, we kind of thought, 
you know, if we were sort of maybe embarrassed to do the POD cast, which maybe we should be, um, what would we, uh, what would we choose as our pseudonym, uh, for, you know, maybe, or guesting maybe Brian, we could say like, uh, you know, I, you and I, I just guessed it on Roach coach. Uh, if you want to listen to that, tomorrow. check it out. Oh, there you go. So you're going to be guesting on Roach coach soon. We also guessed it on holiday Kirk's new metal agenda. Um, and so, yeah, maybe when we go on other new metal podcasts, we should have, this could be our, our pseudonym, our podcast pseudonym, but I'll, I'll, I'll seed the floor to you. What is going to be your, uh, your version of being pony one trying to think of a really cool thing to be. Um, and you know, I'm murder Brian, but I'm not going to be that. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm going to be Terry death man. And that's <laughs> going to be my name. You're going to call Terry, me Terry death man. Terry I'm, death man. <laughs> yeah. Why, where'd you death. come up with that from? Where did I come up? I mean, like, is that Terry's like a, ter- is that a Terry name Funk, I know? Uh, a Terry <laughs> Funk kind of <laughs> Terry's the only name homage. I can ever think of when, when somebody says, Hey, Brian, when I made the TV show and all that shit, they're like, we need a character name. I'll be like, Terry. And like my <laughs> Christmas tree's name is Terry. My car's name is Terry. Everything in my house. <laughs> if I ever bring you out to Columbus, Katie and Gwen will tell you that everything in the house that can be named is named Terry. So I had to pick Terry, a good unisex name too. The, true, the, true. You know what I mean. Are and you a big just, like? Uh, are you a big Terry cloth guy as well? I don't know what that is, but maybe is it the it's stuff a, towels are made out of? Yes. Oh yeah, I love towels. <laughs> <laughs> I'm fucking big on towels. But who doesn't Deathmaker, love a good towel? Deathmaker because it's kind of sounds. Fucking well, you said cool. Deathman before. Are you death changing man. it? To I'm death sorry, Deathman, death Terry Deathman, yeah. because death is cool and I'm a man. You know, that's like a being great, a guy that's like, yeah. oh, he does death. Nothing and I didn't want to be dead man because that's the Undertaker who I don't like. Yeah. Terry Death. Terry man. Death okay. Man. I like that. I, I sort of went a little more in the um, Chino realm. Um, so my my name would be Joker five. Um, and there's a, <laughs> a couple reasons for that. I'm a comedian. So it just seems like I'm trying to put my mind as like a dumb new metal guy. Where I'm like, oh, what's sort of the other thing that I'm kind of like relating to or related to? And that's comedy. So I went with Joker. And then I picked five for three reasons. You ready for this? Number one, it's a reference to John Five, longtime guitarist for Marilyn Manson. And I'm kind of like John Five. Number two, I'm also John Five, like literally in life. I am John Cullen the fifth. My, my, you didn't know that? No, my dad yeah, my, is my dad is the fifth too. Oh, really? But you, oh, he yeah. didn't. He ended it. I mean, like you, you and your listen, brother did, don't have the same name as your dad. No. Well, oh. I don't, he fucking that is the one thing I agree with him on. If he would have named me Ira Quinby the sixth, I don't think I'd be where I am right now. <laughs> I think you would be Ira Quinby. Well, you wouldn't Ira. be here. You'd be on NPR. Um, yeah, if you're, if you're Ira Quinby, the sixth, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, so I'm, I'm John Cullen, the fifth. Uh, so yeah, my, my dad, grandpa, great grandpa, great, great grandpa. All, and we all have the same middle name too, but I'm, you know, I'm not going to reveal that, but yeah, so I'm John five also in life. And then third in the Batman history, there have been four iconic Joker performances, Jack Nicholson, Heath Ledger, Joaquin Phoenix, Mark Hamill, John Cullen, oh, hey, number fucking, five. What is wrong with you? Ben Affleck is the best Batman. Yeah, but I'm talking about the Joker. 
Brian. Oh. People who played the Joker. That's a fair point. Yeah, so I'm there. also Joker 5. It's like there's been four iconic Jokers, and I'm number five. So that's how I came up with Joker 5. I think this is going to be a tight pull. I like Terry Deathman. I like Joker 5. <laughs> I like it's Terry be- Deathman. Yeah, it's going to be good. Uh, so there you go. You can vote on the challenge on our Twitter, and you can also vote in the poll on our Twitter. Uh, this is at twitter.com slash the POD underscore cast. Again, cast with a K, like the band Corn. And the reason why you would uh, follow us is to vote in the poll. Every month, Brian and I put up two albums, and you, the listener, get to decide which of the four records we choose will be covered next month. So Brian, you said you're, yeah, you, you've got a unique perspective on this month's, uh, this month's poll. So I was, I don't know, even know how, like I was on the Google car, you know how, when you open Google, it's got like articles and shit that it yeah. recommends to you. And it, one of the, I opened Google to search for something. And the first thing to come up was like 10 essential new metal albums. Okay. And, and I was like, all right, we probably already reviewed all these. Like is it was what who was I it had, who was it do, do you know who the Loudwire oh it Loud was Wire, done by Loudwire okay. now there is one other one in here that we haven't done but I'm really confident we're gonna end up doing it okay. which is a three dollar bill y'all it, oh, I'm yeah, not gonna pick yeah. that we're gonna end no, up that that absolutely, is absolutely yeah but uh, the 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 I guess I could read the list for you real quick um sure yeah please so yeah what are the eight that we are the seven i guess we've covered and then you can finish off with the two that we're you're going to nominate um i'm I'm getting it now loud wire 10 new metal albums so 50 i didn't say 50 uh i'm never gonna find it i don't think but uh <laughs> it was basically most of the stuff that we uh here let me type 10 essential i got it i have it right here okay so three dollar okay, so bills these, on that. these are the ones we oh sorry you have it brian no i don't i still okay these are these it. are the ones we've already covered corn self-titled deftones around the fur uh coal chamber self-titled incubus science Soulfly. oh wait no okay sorry yeah there's That's actually one of three the on here. Yeah, System of a Down. We haven't covered a bunch of these, Brian. Oh, well, we've covered. I'm, I guess it's <laughs> and Slipknot self-titled. There's five on here that we haven't covered. Oh, really? No, the one There's I have. Soulfly so the- self-titled, Spineshank Strictly Diesel, Head PE yeah. self-titled, three dollar bill, y'all. Or so four that we haven't covered. Okay. Well, Head PE is never winning. We, yeah, I have established that. So here's yeah. what I'm going to do here. Yeah, uh, Soulfly and Strictly Diesel. Okay. Are two albums that honestly, I love them both. They're yep. albums that I really like. Yeah. And uh, they're two albums that I don't know if we'll ever get to. I mean, we probably won't even get a, they probably won't win this month either. But it just is Soulfly, that Soulfly album is like an all star album. You know what I mean? It's crazy. The guests, the uh, yeah, it's been, on it's it. been on three different polls too. And yeah. It hasn't and Strictly won, so. Diesel is really Strictly good. Strictly Diesel's unsung. also been on been on quite a few it's been on two polls before yeah yeah it's kind of a great unsung new metal album so i picked that uh i'll put head p up 500 more times i'm sure but those are the two i'm picking this month love it um okay well i'm gonna do sometimes i call an audible i am going to put up this band for the first time ever lacuna coils coma lies 
Uh, we have never uh, had them on a poll. And I know there have been some people uh, in the Discord and, and on Twitter that have called for us to uh, cover Lacuna Coil. So there you go. Now's your chance. You can uh, you can vote for Lacuna Coil. Or uh, it has been, Brian, quite a long time since we've covered our good friend David Draymond on this show. Oh, yeah. uh, so I'm going to nominate Disturbed's Believe. Uh, that is the album that comes after the sickness and uh, has a few of their most popular songs on it. And yeah, you, you know, I mean, any if you listen to the show, you know all about what it's like to cover David Draymond. So we got to get great. him back in a poll. So those are your four. Spine Shank, Soulfly, Lacuna Coil, Disturbed. The polls usually go up around the 20th or so of the month. So head on over to Twitter right now. Follow us at the POD underscore cast. Again, you can donate to the show at patreon.com slash the POD cast. Thank you for listening. We'll see you back here next month. Goodbye.